you know where to go for it. You have seen only the surface of our English life. Calm, pleasant, but there is another side. If you wish it, I can show you that other side. Major Wilbraham regarded him thoughtfully. There was something reassuring about Mr. Pine. He was large. Not to say fat, he had a bald head of noble proportions, strong glasses, and little twinkling eyes. He had an aura, an aura of dependability. I should warn you, however, continued Mr. Pine, that there is an element of risk. The soldier's eye brightened. Well, that's all right, he said. Then abruptly, and, uh, <clears throat> your fees. My fee, said Mr. Pine, is fifty pounds, payable in advance. If in a month's time you are still in the same state of boredom, I will refund your money. Wilbraham considered. Fair enough, he said at last. I agree. I'll give you a check now. The transaction was completed. Mr. Parker Pine pressed a buzzer on his desk. It is now one o'clock, he said. I am going to ask you to take a young lady out to lunch. The door opened. Ah. Madeline, my dear, let me introduce Major Wilbraham, who is going to take you out to lunch. Wilbraham blinked slightly, which was hardly to be wondered at. The girl who entered the room was dark, languorous, with wonderful eyes and long black lashes, a perfect complexion, and a voluptuous scarlet mouth. Her exquisite clothes set off the swaying grace of her figure. From head to foot, she was perfect. Uh, delighted, said Major Wilbraham. A Miss Desara, said Mr. Parker Pine. How very kind of you, murmured Madeline Desara. I have your address here, announced Mr. Parker Pine. Tomorrow morning you will receive my further instructions. Major Wilbraham and the lovely Madeline departed. It was three o'clock when Madeline returned. Mr. Parker Pine looked up. Well? he demanded. Madeline shook her head. Scared of me, she said. Thinks I'm a vamp. I thought as much, said Mr. Parker Pine. You carried out my instructions? Yes. We discussed the occupants of the other tables freely. The type he likes is fair-haired, blue-eyed, slightly anemic, and not too tall. Oh, that should be easy, said Mr. Pine. Get me a schedule B, and let me see what we have in stock at present. He ran his finger down a list, finally stopping at a name. Frida Clegg. Yes, I think Frida Clegg will do excellently. I'd better see Mrs. Oliver about it. The next day, Major Wilbraham received a note which read, On Monday morning next, at eleven o'clock, Go to Eaglemont, Friars Lane, Hampstead, and ask for Mr. Jones. You will represent yourself as coming from the Guava Shipping Company. Obediently, on the following Monday, which happened to be bank holiday, Major Wilbraham set out for Eaglemont, Friars Lane. He set out, I say, but he never got there. For before he got there, something happened. All the world and his wife seemed to be on their way to Hampstead. Major Wilbraham got entangled in crowds, suffocated in the tube, 
and found it hard to discover the whereabouts of Friars Lane. Friars Lane was a cul-de-sac, a neglected road full of ruts, with houses on either side standing back from the road. They were largish houses, which had seen better days and had been allowed to fall into disrepair. Wilbraham walked along, peering at the half-erased names on the gateposts, when suddenly he heard something that made him stiffen to attention. It was a kind of gurgling, half-choked cry. It came again, and this time it was faintly recognisable as the word help. It came from inside the wall of the house he was passing. Without a moment's hesitation, Major Wilbraham pushed open the rickety gate and sprinted noiselessly up the weed-covered drive. There in the shrubbery was a girl struggling in the grasp of two enormous thugs. She was putting up a brave fight, twisting and turning and kicking. One thug held his hand over her mouth in spite of her furious efforts to get her head free. Intent on their struggle with the girl...